really asking for and asking tough questions. Does poverty drive inequality or does inequality drive poverty? Women just were not able to reach out and to look for support. We may all be in the same ocean, but some are in super yachts and some are clinging to debris. Emissions are expected to rise to their highest ever level. What should we do now? We are in the same world. We work together for a common goal. Well, I'd like to ask some people if, if anyone else has any questions, if they'd like to um, ask. I think we have a mic, do we, Alice? Do we need it? Yes, Christian. Christian has a mic. If anyone has any questions for Jane. Please ask questions. <laughs> yeah, don't be shy. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing um, your story with us. Thank you for the amazing work that you do there. Um, I find it really interesting because um, I do a PhD on the impacts of climate change on child marriage. Um, and my case study is Zimbabwe. And I was there a good few months ago. Um, and I talked to a lot of women and girls. And I actually found out in Zimbabwe, at least, that many of the girls who um, marry after a climate shock choose to marry themselves because they think they can help their families if they move out and marry a man who can financially provide for their families. I was wondering in um, to what extent do you think there is some sense of agency um, in your community and and if if girls do make that decision to marry um, if they make that decision themselves, how is that informed by um, cultural understandings of gender and um, yeah, gender expectation that they grew up with? Uh, I think Zimbabwe and Kenya is not really far apart. But I like the part they say that some girls choose to go for marriage because it is, it is their decision as they've made a choice as much as they're minor. But now, in the context that I come from, you even don't have that choice. You know, when you have a choice, you are responsible of your own choice that you've chosen. But now this one, it is people make a choice for you, make a decision for you without your consent, and you follow it, whether you like it or no. And also they are using uh, a lot of culture because they say that, you know, if my dad decided that uh, he's going to marry me, I cannot challenge it. I have to respect that. So even culture itself somehow is also pulling us down and giving more violation, more leeway to be subjected. I always challenging saying the community I come from, some of these cultures are d decided by men. When you look at all the bad culture, it's actually posted on us women and girls. But for men, they are free. Why are they imposing on certain things like female genital mutilation? Why are they imposing on us? Let us, because I am the wearer of the shoe. I know how it pinch. If you force me to undergo female genital mutilation, how painful it is, what actually the aftermath of that throughout trauma of my life. So let me make my own decision rather than imposing on it, saying that you cannot marry me because I've not undergone the female genital mutilation. You know, just putting a lot of Poisoning a lot of community stuff, things that I'm nobody, I'm useless, I'm not a human being, I'm a lesser human being. And Kenya, we have very good policy, very good law. 
Look at our Kenya Constitution 2010. It's very good progressive. Kenya, we, we've passed the Female Genital Mutilation Act, which compiled that if you are subjected, you'll go to jail. But how many communities who understand that law is there? In a community which is 95% are semi-literate. So culture is supreme above the, the constitution. The constitution is here, but here is the culture. So the culture is even above the government. So more conversation is healthy, more education, and more girls access to school. The more young girls access to school, is, is the road to freedom. It's a road to liberate them. It's a road to make choices in life and become better people like me and you seated in this room. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to ask you about the role of cultural mediators, whether you have maybe women like yourself in the community, because everything, I suppose, as you mentioned, is understood differently. Like I've been to Kenya, I've been to was there some years ago I met with some of the communities there. So my question to you is that having more people like yourself being, I don't know what you call it, cultural mediator, activists, will this be, will be helpful? And my other question as well in relation to health, probably there are a lot, a lot of taboos that are not being understood, no? even about the FGM. Like I know, it's, 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 as you mentioned, it's under the law, is forbidden, but perhaps how can this maybe be, I suppose, I don't know, encourage uh, women, especially young girls, like to say this is the way to go. I, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking about cultural mediation, but perhaps there is a different way to, to describe it. When you talk about cultural mediation and even having more people like me to, to occupy those spaces where we are able to influence different conversation. Yes, they are there. And yes, we, we have more women-led uh, conversations so that we also uh, challenge, I continue saying the, the norms, challenging the norms because we normally have a, like a central parliament in Samburu, even other communities in pastoralist community, it's like a parliament. Parliament is purely men who sit in that body and it's the highest body in Samburu land. It's purely men. If a woman goes in, it's actually under a tree, but that tree is important. A woman cannot go in. If I go in, they'll do a mocking ceremony, killing a donkey to smear, uh, you know, the waste, like they're doing cleansing because a woman has gone in. So what we've done with the respect with our culture is that this is the parliament. Just outside this door, there's another tree. We have a meeting there with the same elders who sit in that parliament and we have a conversation. For example, there's no divorce in my community. And for example, a woman have decided enough is enough. She's going to, to get off of that relationship. Mostly it is my brother who, who is going to sit in that meeting and listen, or my dad. So whatever they are going to discuss in my absence, they'll report back to me. And in mostly, it's not in favor of me. It is in favor of men because the same man will sit there and he'll have the opportunity to say the issue. So what we do, we'll set those people with the problem like women and we'll have a conversation outside. So that in the evening, mostly it is in the evening, in the evening when they go have a meeting, those issues are going to discuss. But already, 
We've actually raised in the meeting that we held with elders. Then after a week, we'll come back and ask them what was the outcome of the issues that we raised without even interfering with their meeting in the evening. So we're also developing strategies that we think it's also help women navigate and being in those spaces that our voice is not counted. Decisions are made, you know, within when we are not there. They're not a good decision because they didn't give me an opportunity to say the reason, but other people make a decision on my behalf. So we also create spaces where women can put their issues and pack their issues together and also have ourselves small, small committees where also women pursue their own husband. The husband we know, they're the president of those committees. We'll tell them in the evening, go and discuss with your husband. What are the issues then uh, in our meeting tomorrow you can report? Those are the small conversations we have behind our things. But making sure that spaces of women, one, women are safe, two, our issues are become the center of discussion without triggering that we are fighting their space. Mm. And, and I, for example, uh, regarding climate change, because uh, obviously Juliet mentioned when you went to uh, Kenya. So how is this being understood? For example, like, let's say we here in the Western part, we understood about climate change. But for example, when you need to communicate climate change to your community, what do they believe? So like the, the dry seasons, do they know what is this about? Or do you tell them? Or what, what is the, the way to, to understand and to, to learn about this? My community knows climate change like the figure. They can even do a book. Unfortunately, it is something which is not written because in my community, we have people who are foreseers. They look at the skies and the stars at night and they'll tell you it's not going to be rain. So prepare. Even when meteorological department in Nairobi keep on saying it's going to rain, but it's not raining. They had already prepared people. When that star goes across the sky at night, in the middle of the night, danger, drought, Animals are going to die. Human beings are going to die. And these things are reality. But because it's not written in the book that you're talking about, climate change is a foreign name uh, brought by I don't know who. But as drought, it has been there with us in our own language. Even how we manage, uh, you know, patterns of drought coexisting with nature, we are the custodians. And we really have that rich knowledge. It's only that it has not been tapped. But around issues on climate change, they can easily even predict it's not going to rain. What is happening? Prepare yourself. Worse, it's going to happen. So already, people are already preparing themselves. Worse, worse. Just like what Rebecca said here, we don't know what is going to happen. But already they are telling us, as we talk, they said all the rains are filled. So there is no rain. So from January, you prepare to us up to April, which they say it might rain, very little rain. So you see, already they are preparing ourselves. It's going to be worse ahead. Thank you very much. First of all, it's, it's wonderful to hear somebody speaking about their own place. Too often in the West, we hear voices of outsiders telling us what life is like locally. I relate very much to what you talk about because I spent two years with Somali nomads in eastern Ethiopia, so very similar to what you're talking about. But I have a rather curious question. I wonder, is all this type of talk of climate change a mistake? And what I mean by that is, 
I, I feel that in some parts of the West, we're using it as a cover. In other words, things are bad for women in East Africa, and we use the climate change as a... This was a problem, and you talked about drought. I lived in, in a part of Ethiopia that suffered drought in the 80s. So drought is, a, is an ongoing pattern. It is much worse, and I'm not saying that climate change isn't a problem. But in the West, we may be using that as a cover when we should be actually looking at the core problems that have existed for all the time. And when I hear the stories of women in East Africa, there are probably older generations, and maybe not even older generations of women in Ireland who would absolutely relate to. I heard just a, a small story. Everybody here, I think, would probably know Nell McCafferty. And she told a wonderful story in the 1970s in Dublin trying to rent a television, as people did in those days. And she couldn't rent it because she had to get a man or a father or a brother to sign the document. So being Nell McCafferty, she went out into the street, grabbed the first man who was passing and made him sign the document. So I think the history and what you're describing is something that has existed in many cultures for a very long time. And we shouldn't look at this as just a problem of Africans or a problem of African women or African men. It's much bigger. And that's why I worry that the climate change thing can act as an excuse, you know, because, oh, we can't deal with climate change, so that's what your problem is, climate change. And it's not. It's much bigger than that. You want me to answer? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were, you were adding more points to my conversation. Uh, of course, climate change, yes and no. People are using as an escape to cover up a lot of things uh, because drought has been there for close to 40 years. Actually, this is the worst drought in our entire life that we are experiencing in North, you know, in, in the Horn of Africa. It's one of the worst drought ever that even the community coping mechanism is totally disrupted. But, but again, the other question also I'm going also to throw back to you is who make the shot at the end of all this conversation? Who make the shot? Is it the vulnerable people who don't even know what is climate change? People are discussing in these big rooms. And then are they involved when it comes to making policies, making decisions? Or people just make decisions on their behalf and bring resources up? This money, you can run it for you know, cash transfer without involving me. Climate and drought comes with a lot of impact, especially to the women and girls. It's not just supporting me the cash transfer. It's more into that. So can we look at it in a wholesome way? If you're supporting me in cash transfer, also supporting me around issues on gender protection, so that when I get that money with my phone, I get with the dignity. I get that money knowing that if I was battered, or even I was raped, and my self-esteem is down, then I can get social psycho support to give me stand back in my feet, to be able to stand tall in an environment which is not friendly, to be able to access, you know, medical care, which is key. Normally it is not put there. To be able to pursue for justice for those perpetrators who have done for me. It's only that when we get justice, people are healed. But as long as there is no justice, there is no healing. So. Climate change, it has come with a lot of negative effect. And I find it it's more negatively towards women and girls. Because in a community we live for, it is, it is isolated, it's not 
There is no road, there is no network, there is nothing. So even people don't understand what is happening. They are just there. Maybe you are just waiting to die or even without knowing anything. So more work needs to be done around issues on climate change. Even if the policies are there, how do we make sure that we demonstrate so that even the people who are affected by what you are talking about, drought, climate crisis, they understand and they can give their input in terms of participating effectively and be, be able to be consulted and to be able to have a say in certain issues that we are discussing. I don't know if I've answered your questions or I've lectured you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was wonderful as, as before. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm with my granddaughter here. Um, as a man, I feel, uh, you know, there are, there are good men in your country. It's taken us in this Western world, in Ireland, over 150 years to stand up, for women to stand up. And the women only got the vote less than 100 years ago, you know. So I, I see a distance of your development and, and our development, you know. That's what I'm thinking about. It's just that we've only arrived at the conversation of equality or inequality. And we're still discussing that. You know, I see you back somewhere out there and trying to, to scale 150 years where men will begin to accept that there's an equality and there's a sharing, you know. And uh, I know that a lot of young girls in this country don't even vote. And I talk about how women died, you know, here in this country to get a vote. So we're not long into the conversation. So I hope you understand what I'm saying. From a man's point of view, we've only arrived at the, the talking about equality now. That makes sense. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. I just wonder, are there good men in your country that thank are thinking you. like this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know if you caught the end of that. He was just saying, are there good men? I think your, your father is one, but are there good men who are, who are supporting you? Yes, 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 yes. As much as also we talk about culture, patriarchy, yes, there are good men also who are pushing the agenda of women, supporting girls to go to school, supporting their women to be economically empowered. And those are the, the few good men. We also helping them to support our work. So they also become our ally. We also bringing more men who it's difficult for them to change <laughs> their mindset. So we are not yet there, but slowly the progress is not bad. Progressively, we are there, just like around issues on female genital mutilation. Progressively, we are not badly off. Progressively, we are there. So more women, more elders, more young people to stand up and to be counted in a community just like you. Thank you so much for your talk and telling us about your experiences. Um, I was wondering, what exactly does it take to change the norms around gender-based violence? Is it a matter of generational change or um, what needs to happen that communities realize that it's not normal? And also, um, are there any forms how communities organize themselves? So, for example, um, if gender-based violence would increase due to a drought, for example, would something happen that men and also women would start to realize this is a problem and we have to change that? And if that happens, how would it happen? Thank you so much for your question. So I'll answer in three categories. One, yes, generation change. We want two, 
invest heavily in education because the more young people, young kids uh, access education, it will change the whole landscape around issues on culture, around issues on patriarchy. It's going to finish. But as long as uh, 95 of the community do not read and write and the majority of them don't take kids to school, then the status quo remains the same. Number three, involve all the voices that we think they account. All the voices that they can influence different spaces, elders who are the custodians of the culture, young people, young men who marry our girls so that they stand up to say, I'll marry a girl who is not cut. You know, young girls who have gone to school and they have the knowledge, the power to say yes, to say no, and to say this is what I want. And dedicated women who have information and knowledge to see I'm not going to let my child, my daughter to undergo female genital mutilation or to be married off at 10 years old. Because what is preparing for her is if she's married at 10 years, that is a minor. The person who is marrying you is older, three times than you, already that is rape. That child is not prepared for sex. Nobody is preparing her that the man who is marrying you is going to have sex with you. So you are traumatizing that child and building up a society which women have a lot of hate. You know, hate with no hope, hatred towards men and boy child. So we want a society which is inclusive, a society that we're bringing up person to make informed decision, not to create more enmity because in most of these uh, villages, there's a lot of bitterness towards women, especially those women who has undergone a lot of gender-based violence, a lot of bitterness. They don't want to see men. They don't want even to imagine that they can have a boy. Why? Because of what they've been subjected to. So we want a society which is fair, a society which is free from all forms of gender-based violence as we celebrate 16 days of activism. Every day, every second, the community I come from, women are beaten, but nobody reports. There is no data to show that how many women have been subjected to female genital mutilation, how many women who have been killed because they've refused to sleep with their husband or to have anything to them. Nobody documented them because they're isolated. So as we continue celebrating, let's continue pushing these spaces and making sure that data are available. Women have courage to report to the police station to pursue the perpetrators who have done wrong for them. That is the only time we'll have equity and equality we are fighting for as women and girls in this world. Okay, well, I think that's a, a good place to end. Um, <laughs> Jane, thank you.